man on the line with me right now knows a thing or two about the sport of baseball. He is the voice of the Portland Sea Dogs. He's Mike Antonellis. I'm good. Just a couple of, you know, just one or two things. That's all I know. Just a couple, couple. Yeah. What What do you know about What do you know about um, uh, fastball spin rates and huh. and and uh, and uh, and launch points? Because I'm still confused about all of that. Yeah, I me too. I'm actually still learning. They, there are. We have a, a complete video. The Red Sox actually hire video interns that work here at all of my, and they actually will show highlights of games in the clubhouse, and it will have that spin rate. Um, you know, I think the higher the spin rate is, is better, but, I mean, I still think it's deception. Like, you could still have a spin rate if the hitters can pick it up, hit it. So, any go to that, that's pretty good. And I'm still the old school way. Um, you know, whether that's good or bad, I and mean, I like statistics a little, but I still you can kind of use your eyes at any level and tell who the best player yeah, I I agree. You see, I used to think that way too, and I I kind of look at it from a from a perspective now of okay, like when we when we use our eye test, for example, and I'll, I'll give you two examples. Two guys I thought were going to be really good for watching them play and seeing how they played uh, at the AA level. Two guys I thought were going to be fantastic and really really be excellent were Dominic Brown and Kyle Drabeck. Okay, those are two yeah. guys that I thought, man, those guys are going to be something. Well, I look back on it now, and the analytics are like, ah, they're not that great on it, okay? So I look at it like, okay, I, I think sometimes the analytics will help you find somebody in the rough, but I think it's possible that the analytics helps you go a little deeper with some of these guys. So when you're when you're looking at your eye test, you're like, all right, these are beautiful. It's almost like you get two cars, and then you run the, you run the Carfax thing on them, right? And one of them comes sure. back, even though it looks as good. You're like, oh, there's that going on, and there's this going on. Like, I think analytics provides that. The problem is I don't think that's how it's being utilized. I, I think it's I think for some people out there they're starting to think it's become the be all end all. It's becoming part yeah. of the lingo, yeah. and I, I think that's a that's a scary thing for some folks, especially baseball fans. Yeah, but you know what? You're great. I mean, I don't think you were wrong in that assessment. I think sometimes we forget too that moving up to that stage, uh, there's no analytics or measuring stick that what goes through the mind of players. They sometimes just can't handle that, and. Um, you know, I don't know if Dominic Brown was one of that. Uh, the Phillies had this pitcher, uh, Rocky Biddle, and he was from Philly, mm-hmm. the first round pick. He just could not pitch in this league, and I think a lot of it had to do with Redding was too close to Philly. The Phillies own Redding. He was getting major attention, and it, I, I know it got to him because he really struggled, and now he's pitching in relief for Atlanta and doing well. So, you know, those are the secret things that um, – I think people behind the scenes, you know, like internally, there's things about guys, but, um, you know, those two guys you mentioned, I, I thought Dominic Brown would be a star, too. But, yeah, there's definitely a lot of that. But, you know, I agree with you. I think there's a good mix of both. Um, I think some of the analytics for physical attributes would be great to see. Like, you know, Mookie's velocity with his hands is probably quicker than anybody on the team. You can't teach, you know, you can't get better at, and those are things that I think a lot, you know, those are pretty cool things. I do like some of the, you know, velocity. I like the stuff in football, like how fast the guys are running and all that, because that's a pretty cool thing. But, you know, again, you and I are getting in that age, Maddie, where it really doesn't matter what we think anymore. The younger generation is going to love all this, right? And, and it's It here. is. It it's is. Fine, so. 
and, and my whole thing is, you know, if I'm going to be in this, I want to, I want to understand it. It's funny because you know the times I went to Hadlock this year, and they're like, "Here, here's that last home run. It had this." And now, you know, I remember it was, um, you know, back in the old days, it was like that traveled an estimated 434 feet. Oh wow, that was quite a shot. Now it's that trust traveled an estimated 434 feet. The launch angle was this. There was this. Yeah. There was that. And you're like, holy, like when you get. When you get handed some of the stats, like the stats that I get handed when I go up and cover UMaine football, um, or go on the road and cover UMaine football, like I'm always amazed at it, you know, because you're coming from a level of covering a high school thing where you do your own stats, you just, you know, get it from the newspaper guys because they have to keep it, and uh, and for what you're getting now in terms of all the stuff inside of just the regular stats, it's it's just crazy. It's it, it really is the analytics era, and you're right. It really doesn't matter what you or I think, so we should at least have to know about it, you know. Yeah, I mean, some of the, the velocity stuff with hitters is, I mean, like, Giancarlo Stanton is going to hit probably the hardest hit ground balls because he's a beast. So I know he's got, like, some of the hardest hit ground balls. And, yeah, I expect that. I mean, I, I don't expect to see, like, balls leaving the bat that go 400 feet, 80 miles an hour. They're all going to be, like, within 100. So I don't, some of it, I don't really know what it means. Like, if a guy's hitting at 110 and the guy's hitting at 115, I mean, you know, if it's, Stanton or someone like Dustin Pedroia, I get it. But um, you know, it's, it's. I do think though it does bring maybe a more colorful aspect to baseball too. You know, there's a lot of things that they're doing now they didn't have when I was younger. I like better that. Um, you know, I think that football is kind of bringing that the Madden kind of look to football, and I think that's great. You know, I. I it's going to be. I said this when I was younger. I couldn't wait to see how things changed in the future. Now, I, as I'm older, I'm like, I can't believe what, you know, in 30 years, what kind of TVs and what our sports will look like. And I, and I think in baseball, they're thinking of maybe expanding in Portland and Oakland's looking at Portland, Oregon, of course, and, and Oakland's going to be uh, looking to get a new stadium. I mean, we're going to be scratching the surface now what stadiums are going to look like down the road. And it's they're going to be multi it's not going to be like a baseball stadium down the road. There, there are going to be all kinds of other things to do, and I think it'll be exciting. No, I think you're right. And, of course, there's still, you know, whether whether a team moves or, or whether a team, uh, whether an expansion team, uh, uh, you know, whether there's a, another expansion, you know, there's still Montreal that's still out there. And I, I, I think at some point, Mike, you know, uh, the Nashville Sounds just a, I don't know if you saw this. I'm sure you keep up on all this stuff. Um, the Nashville Sounds just did a massive rebrand and, and all this stuff. You know, Nashville's getting to a point where, are they really a AAA city anymore? I mean, they've shown they can handle the Predators. They can handle the Titans. Yeah. I, I mean, it, at some point, Nashville, I think, is going to start to be mentioned as a, as a possible Major League city. Because it really is, to me... I, you know, I, do, I did that, that silly trip last year. I did five games in, in five places and drove to all of them. Well, I'm trying to do the next one, and I'm like trying to figure out how to how to get it all going. And there's like a huge swath from like the Atlanta Braves to the Cincinnati Reds. There's like an entire and all the way over to Texas. There's like oh, a yeah. swath of nothing over there, Mike. Like that's a to me, if I'm Major League Baseball, I'm desperately trying to get into the South somewhere. And Nashville yep. to me just seems like the the hippest city where I could possibly pull that off in. Yeah, I, I and I think they're going to have two because what they, they don't what they have now is fifteen and fifteen. They don't want to have interleague every day. That's a scheduling nightmare. I just I think it has a bad feel to it. I don't think you want you have to have an interleague game on opening day. I think it's just strange. They want to have sixteen and sixteen. You know that's going to of course dilute the product. But again, none of that matters. It's about money, and they're going to want to be in markets that are going to make money. And 
I think Vegas will be part of that. They're building a $150 million stadium for AAA. I'd have to imagine with that cost, they would be able to expand. But Nashville's a great city. Um, I would be cool with Montreal. I saw San Juan, Puerto Rico, he's maybe in the running. Um, yeah, I think, it would, you know, if Montreal came back and they were the extras again, that would be a good PR for them. You know, it, it's just, again, no doubt they have diehard fans. It's just major league baseball would have to do a case study to see can they make money there? Is there enough business? Is there enough growth? I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I do agree with you on Nashville. There's a lot of growth there, and the economic impact, you know, they're becoming, you know, Tennessee's not like Tennessee when we were younger. Memphis and Nashville are, are becoming like bigger cities and major players in other sports. So, I yeah, I mean, all that for that. Uh, you know, it's going to be neat. If, you know, 32 teams will certainly be strange, but uh, the scheduling will be so much better, and, uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Talking about Mike Antonis, he's the voice of the Portland Sea Dogs. Um, let's talk a little bit uh, here while I've, while I've got you on here. Um, the the uh, 8th annual Holiday at Hadlock event is happening tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 1230. Um, it, now, uh, is it true Santa arrives in the helicopter? Is that is that correct? Yeah, but I don't think we can do that tomorrow because of the cruise. So I think we're going to have to change. Um, we're still... That's what, that was, that's what I was trying to figure out if that was still yeah. like a if that was a logistical thing. Yeah, that sounds it's, crazy. It's the, 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 or we don't usually have the snow, and I, I forgot last year. I was looking at some video of last year. Um, we did some Facebook live stuff. It was an unbelievable day. Um, but we have snow in the field, and it's too soggy, and our field really can't take that. And I know it sounds rude to say that now, but look, we're not even allowed on the field now. I know we're not playing till April, but. Um, you know, the ground crew that does this, they know what they're doing, and they don't want anyone on it. So I think we're going to have to audible out of that. But he'll be here, and, um, you know, whether it's in a slugger van or some other way. But it's a great event. It's free, and uh, we'll have a ton of people here for it, too, which is nice. And You get to meet Santa. There's arts and crafts. There's games. You can buy tickets, of course. But it's just something we came up with eight years ago to have an event. And I do like that it's free. You know, I think that's nice, and um, it's pretty cool. It, and it's too bad if we don't have the helicopter because it is eight p.m. Come in right near the pictures mound and, and uh, greet everybody. Yeah, that is that is a yeah. uh, that's a pretty cool. So I remember being there for like the first one, and I was like, it, it was kind of chilly, and I think I was I was broadcasting from like the hallway, and I'm like, hey, this is pretty this is pretty great, you know, this is yeah. But to to keep people involved with that all year, I think people don't understand. It's not just it's not just that you guys have the team, and then you guys play from April through August. I mean, this is a year round thing to to keep active in the community, and also keeping people coming to Hadlock, even if it's a you know once a season sort of thing. It just keeps it in their mind and. and and kind of makes it a habit for them. Yeah, I mean, I think we try to do things a little bit differently, just I think according to what our fan base is like. We put tickets on sale a lot earlier than most teams do, and I think that's because, you know, a lot of everybody, we have a two, you have ticket plans, like many plans, and you want to sell those first and then individual tickets. But we do, we have such a great season ticket holder base that we like to get individual tickets on sale right away. That's the event we do in November, and then we have this event, um, and then we do the hot stove, and then right after the hot stove, I always tell everyone, wait you see how quick opening day will be, and it's it's crazy. Like, once we get that, you know, the season is, is it's here before you know it. But, you know, again, it's, it's uh, one thing I've learned working in sports is that you do, you, you keep yourself on a closer pulse to what's going on.
going on in society and to how people change. And you can't complain about it. You have to embrace it. You know, I, I know people, I mean, I'm just as guilty of being on all my gadgets as anyone else. So we're trying to create things that embrace, you know, change. It, it happens every era. And, you know, going back to the 50s, and we try to come up with things that we think will be best for the fans. And we found that, you know, these events, the ones we keep doing, are, are constantly, uh, you know, doing well. We get good feedback from it. And it's, there's a lot of work behind the scenes. It, it's the stuff that we do here in the off season. I mean, you know, I, I'm not as the hardest worker in here as some of the other people and what they have to do because they got a lot of selling and planning and groups and, and the promotions. And it's pretty cool, you know, how we come up with things and what we think will work. And, and it's uh, it's a big process, but I think we're good at it. Uh, I think we have a good mix of people here. And, um, you know, the fans give us good feedback. And a lot of things we see because we know if we got rid of it, uh, we would hear from it. Talking with Mike Antonellis from the Portland Sea Dogs. Tickets available now for the upcoming season. Go to portlandseadogs.com for that. I was actually just looking ahead at the schedule. I always like to look ahead every year to find out when Trenton comes to town. Yeah. Um, so that's always good. And usually they come early and then they come late. So that's usually how that goes, it seems. Um, yeah. And I like to see the New Hampshire games too. I really want to get down to the New Hampshire Park this year. I hear that's, that's pretty good. So, any, any yeah, changes in the league this year or anything? Any teams, no teams are moving, there's no new, t- is any rebranding? I know, I think the Binghamton Mets aren't going to be the Binghamton, oh yeah, they're the Rumble Ponies now. Um, there's no other rebrandings or anything going on right now in AA, in, in the Eastern League? No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I know the Eastern League had changed their logo last year. Uh, you know, we. I mean, a lot of the teams are, I would say, we have some teams that are somewhat new, of, of course, with Hartford. Uh, uh, I don't know, uh, I yeah, everybody's the same. I mean, I, I think this league does well. Uh, I think the affiliates is great. I think we, there's two other double-A leagues. I mean, I, I could be biased to this, but, I mean, we have the Yankees and Red Sox in, in this league. That That's huge. Uh, but I don't think that if you look at some of the affiliates in this league, um, the, the, we've seen a lot of players. You know, Toronto's been pretty good with player development, Baltimore, San Francisco, um, so it's it's good league outside of that, but you know everyone's trying to change. We share a lot of ideas. Uh, the meetings are next week, or two weeks in Vegas, and um, there's a lot of rebrands this year around my league baseball, Maddie. A lot of things have changed, and it's it's business, you know. And I know sometimes you like to shy away and say, "Well, you can't do things to make money," but you have to. I mean, there's expenses that we have and things that we want to do here cost money and um you know rebranding is, is where it's at and i think that fresher looks are better and you know people want different stuff after a while you know i mean it's just kind of the nature yeah no i uh, i totally totally agree with you um talking about mike antonellis voice of the portland sea dogs so yeah you mentioned winter meetings um you know still you know there's been some movement you know i really like i don't even know what to make of this mariners mets trade like i i can't decide if Jerry DePoto is a genius or if the Mets are absolutely just, you know, like, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't like this deal at all for the Mets because I don't know what you're going to do. I just feel like they're going to end up paying Robinson Cano to, to leave after two years, maybe yeah. a year. You know what I mean? Like where, if he can't play second and you're going to, I mean, we watched Alonzo play last year. I mean, I, uh, and then you've also got the, um, Oh, who was the first baseman last year? It wasn't. It was. It was Peter Alonso, right, from Binghamton. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that kid McNeil who was playing second. But yeah, 
I mean, think they just want, you know, they haven't, you know, with position players, they've had a tough go of it. And they must think with their pitching that, you know, that we've got a few bats in here. But, you know, Seattle's doing what everyone's doing now. But it's, they're just going to dismantle their team, and they're going to be bad probably. But that, that was an awful contract that they got into. I, I you know, and they probably knew that. You know, some teams just, you know, they, I think teams know. Yeah, I think that's one thing that fans might not understand. Like, they know they're getting into bad deals. They're just hoping it works for a couple of years and you win, and then you just deal with the money later. Because you don't get the player unless you give him what he wants. Right. I mean, that's you... Yeah. yeah. And and sometimes when you have a knee jerk, I mean, if you look at you know you look at the Yankees contract with Jacoby Ellsbury, which you know people are looking at now, and then you even look at teams like uh, like Arizona. Arizona's got the the Grinky contract, which is well over thirty million dollars. It's yeah. not like Zach Grinky's a bad pitcher. In fact, it uh, based on some of the analytics that, that that even does contract worth, which I think is really cool. He's worth sixty eight million dollars. He's been paid sixty eight million dollars since he's he's been pitching for Arizona. So he's lived up to the contract. But at the same time, these smaller markets, if they're not winning and they're not winning outright, or they've got guys like Paul Goldschmidt that are going to be hitting free agency and losing guys here and there, they're, they're working with different sort of operating budgets. So once they once they get these guys, they have to do something with them. So sometimes they have to trade less. That's why people got so mad last year about the, the Stanton deal with the Yankees. No one was going to take that deal on. Uh, for yeah, for in, in, yeah. for a top prospect, you know, it's not like San Francisco and St. Louis were emptying the top levels of their farm system to get Stanton because it was such a huge deal. It's not that Stanton was a bad player; it's like that that is that was even uh, bigger than an A Rod contract, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, but the other problem too, the owners are not going to ever change this. The control they control the players, so you have you have like stars like Mookie Betts. Uh, Aaron Judge and Mike Trout, when they're coming in, they're putting up Hall of Fame numbers, making five hundred fifty thousand dollars. I know that's not. A, I know it's a lot of money, but when they go to the the you know, bargaining agreement, they're saying, "Hey, you control me for seven years. Now I want mine." So the system is set up. The the owners can't complain because they they like this system because they they do get the underpay. I bet if you looked into this, you would. You could look at some of the greatest players in the game right now and go look at what they made to what they their production was their first few years. And I've done it. You wouldn't believe like what Mike Trout was doing offensively and what he was paid. Mm-hmm. He paid like nine hundred thousand in MVP. So you can't complain when you're getting a guy for nine hundred thousand in your MVP and then he wants twenty five million. You know that's the system they set up. You know if they change it and pay those guys more earlier. And maybe you wouldn't suffer as much. That's the, the problem. I mean, Stan won the other two. What do you think? Yeah. You know, and like you said, there's only a few teams that have an action, but I just always think the Red Sox and Yankees, they have no choice. They're not going to, it's either, you know, they, they're going to have to overpay for those guys because teams know they have the money. So I personally don't care. I think if you just, you know, I, I, I saw something the other day that was talking about. All this money the Red Sox are paying to like Sandoval and all these guys, I could turn that around and combine the salaries of Bogart, Benintendi, Betts, Vasquez. I could go on sale and, and look what the production you're getting for like thirty million combined. So you just that's the system they kind of made it. And then I just find it funny sometimes when the owners are mad when the players do this. But it's like, well, you guys agreed to have control of the player for seven years, right? Or ten. 
in some cases, you know, yeah. it, 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 the, the canoe one was the one that blew me away. And then, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be real interested to see what, what Machado and Harper get. I mean, hell, I'm even kind of, kind of, uh, interested to see what Corbin's going to get. Is he going to get five years or six years? Yeah. You know, is Machado going to get 10 and when's his first opt out going to be? And is Harper going to get 10 and when is his first opt out going to be? Especially after an off season, at least stuff is happening this off season because last off season was a screeching halt, whether it was people waiting for this off season or people just trying to figure out, you know, how to reset the market last year. I don't know what happened last offseason. I don't either. But uh, it, it yeah. seems like it's already twice as active this year uh, before, and we haven't even gotten to the meetings yet, the owners' meetings. Yeah. And, and you could argue maybe that happened for J.D. Martinez wasn't the best idea. I mean, they were the Red Sox were very skeptical to give him a long term. And, you know, I think maybe the political thing was part of it. But, you know, he's going to have full control. Um, you know, Machado plays a position where, you know, and I'm not buying the postseasons. I think a lot of – I've seen a lot of that's hurting his value. That's just, that's just going to be teams using that. Teams are smart enough to understand, yes, he didn't play great in the postseason. A lot of players don't. Uh, a lot of great. You still have to get there. That position, I mean, if you don't have that position, sure. You better, if you're going to turn your nose up to Machado, then you better have a good alternative to him because there isn't many of those guys. So, uh, you know, I would almost be – Rather than Harper, because I think you can find outfielders. You just can't find shortstops that hit the middle of the order and are, are that durable. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's situational too, Matty. You know, I think the Yankees are probably in a position now where they just saw, you know, teams know what the Red Sox just won, and they play all that. The agents, they play all that stuff against them. Oh, you know, you guys just. They want to win the games. You lost to the Red Sox. They have a chance. You know, you want to make a a big bang, and they're just going to go higher. You know, I think they have leverage. I think that's where some of the Red Sox have more leverage. Um, I'm believe me, I'm a Red Sox fan, but I think Joe Kelly is probably going to get overpaid because of a little bit of success in postseason. He was a bottom of the bullpen rotation pretty much the last two months of the season. I mean, he had I think an 80 RA in three months. Yeah, he's going to get paid probably eight or he's going to get paid because of what teams just saw on TV. It's it's these are like Disneyland signings, emotional buys. You know, you go to Disney and you're, you're going around and you want to buy everything in the souvenir store, and you're like, why did I do that for? I'm stupid. <laughs> it happens, you know. And I'm you know what it is? It's like it was. It's like the. You know, I when you look at the cross sports stuff, like when Larry Brown made all that money after the two interceptions that were gift wrapped to him by Neil O'Donnell in the yeah, Super Bowl, right? Like oh, yeah, yeah. Th- those sorts of things. Like those things happen all. Dwight Smith made a bunch of money after the Bucks won the Super Bowl, and then like you, you see the same thing in baseball, and you see it happen all the time. Well, he was great in the postseason. I mean, you saw that a lot. The Sandoval deal, I I still think was like that because they didn't. Nobody watched West Coast baseball during the regular season because it was usually you know on well after people's bedtime, but they yeah. didn't watch the the years and the the year-long struggles with Sandoval, they just see San Francisco make the playoffs, and Sandoval would show up for the playoffs and play well, and they'd be like, man, this guy's amazing. It's like, well, yeah, and you know. Why it, did that happen? That happened because they had nobody at third, so they just panicked, and, you know, but that that's not a decision. You know, like, they had no one to play third, but, the, but you don't make the decision that we're just going to go and, and overpay for someone that is a maybe. You might as well just internally feel bad, you know? So yeah. no. that's it happens a lot, you know, um, and I do get it, though, like if you're a GM and you're an owner, I mean, GMs are short-lived, you know, you're trying to win now, and it's, you know, Dombrowski's doing that here, and, and I don't blame them. I mean, 
you, you can build for the future for so long, but if you're a GM, I mean, you're not going to be there in 10 years. What do you care? So it is, it's the best part of the, you know, that's, I think baseball still brings that element where certainly that the sports have this off-season stuff, but I don't think anything tops the way baseball does it. Holiday at Hadlock happens tomorrow, starts at 10. Get down to Hadlock Field. Mike Antonellis is the voice of the Portland Sea Dogs. He was kind enough to take a little time to talk to me today. Yeah. Thank you much, my friend. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Enjoy it. All right. See you later, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. That's Mike Antonellis, voice of the Portland Sea Dogs. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Sea Dogs Radio. I'll make sure I put that interview out for you to retweet and listen on demand after the show. Just follow 105 Sports on Twitter. And you want to follow MBR Radio on Twitter, too. If you follow me on Twitter, which is Matty B Radio, you'll just get all of it. And if you haven't followed one of them, if you follow any of them, you'll see stuff from all three. So however that works for you, make it happen. We'll have more on the way from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios. It is the MBR Radio Network. You're listening to 105.5 Sports. 105.5 AM 1240, Lewiston, Auburn. AM 780 in Rumford and worldwide at 105sports.com. We'll be back in a bit. And there are no buckets too empty. W288CW1055 FM, Auburn. 